0: Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, It takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me, and lately my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor. Let me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious, y'all. Do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli. And it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, Factor. They make two-minute meals, fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast, upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear? Y'all head to factormeals dot com slash coming out pod fifty and use code coming out pod fifty to get fifty percent off. That's code coming out pod five zero at factormeals dot com slash coming out pod fifty. Get fifty percent off. Bye. Oh, hey,
1: y'all. In this new year, work hard, play hard, and slay
0: through the sweat with Nux Active. Nux Active is high-performance activewear that does not compromise on the chic.
1: Located in Los Angeles, their diverse women-operated team oversees every meticulous detail of the design process from the first stitch to the last shipment
0: they channel positive planet vibes through a commitment to using the best organic fabrics and recycled materials as much as possible.
1: Nux Active is active fashion that flexes and fits like a buttery second skin. And let me tell you, Mm. okay, from having now worn my new Nux Active full, I, I got a sports bra and pants buttery second skin is actually the perfect way to describe this Mm. i i'm telling you in the whole of the time that i have been working out as an adult human being i have never put on such a comfortable workout outfit like to the point where i was like is it appropriate for me to wear this to my dentist today that was a real thought that i had because it is that comfortable
0: So power through Pilates, dare to reach your hit goals and strive for that extra rep in Nux Active. Run, do not walk, run over to NuxActive.com, that's N-U-X-A-C-T-I-V-E.com to check out the latest collection and energizing colorways and... As a special gift to you, take 20% off your purchase with promo code COMINGOUT20 at checkout. It's a new year, y'all. Make positive moves with NUX Active.
1: Oh, hey, y'all. Hello. Welcome to Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole. We are a weekly podcast where we most often have queer folks on from all walks of life and they tell the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the
0: world at large. Because who doesn't love a coming out story in Indeed. general? In general. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sometimes on this podcast,
1: um, you dear listeners, get just me and Lauren bringing you a special message, a, a special a special edition of the pod, wherein exactly, yeah, we wherein like to
0: deviate a little for exactly. special occasions. We spice it up. We're not beyond
1: that, you know. It's been we've been going for four and a half years. You got to add some spice. You got to keep mm. it
0: spicy. We got to keep this love alive. Yeah, we got to keep after the love alive. alive.
1: The day after Valentine's Day. Oh, mm-hmm. what a rough day for many people, I'm sure. Anyway,
0: so um,
1: <laughs> today um, we actually are bringing you a special Black History Month episode. Lauren and I discussed how we wanted to approach Black History Month as there is so much to learn about uh, Black queer people in history Mm -hmm. and the intersection of the civil rights movement and the LGBTQ movement and all of that. And we decided that instead of having on um, a Black queer person to educate us, uh, because that feels (laughs) wrong and weird, that we would not only educate ourselves but share some of our findings with you. Y'all, and specifically share the stories of uh, a few black queer people in history, uh, present day and past, who have actually had an impact on me and Lauren personally. Um, Some of them you might have heard of, others, Almost certainly not. So yeah. we are very excited to share, uh, to share this, and just to celebrate Black queer people who uh, are incredible and have had a huge influence on um, us and the movement and all of that. And beautiful, wonderful stuff. And queer culture and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to celebrate. So, um, so first of all. I, I think it would be uh, wise, Lauren, if you agree here, to start out with Mr. Bayard Rustin. Um, mm. Because when we talk about the intersection of the, uh, the civil rights movement and the LGBTQ movement, there's like almost no one, if no one more prominent than Bayard Rustin, I would say, especially because there wasn't... A ton of crossover in all of that, uh, yes. even though there were clearly queer people in the in the movement for Black rights, and there were queer, clearly Black people in the movement for queer rights. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of outward mm-hmm. facing. Um, there weren't a lot of out people, basically, for Absolutely. all the understandable reasons. So anyway, but Bear yes. Rustin, please, Lauren, take it away, and I will jump in when needed. Mm,
0: yeah, and so the and so like you say, they're not they're not being at least a lot of, uh, outward facing crossovers. So that is by design. Indeed, Uh, As we, as we also know during, you know, the, the women's, uh, the women's movement and feminism and how they, uh, actively suppressed lesbianism as being a part of that. Like this is is not, this is not an unusual thing that happens, uh, in the fight for rights. Unfortunately, it's the, It's the seamy underbelly. Uh, Yeah, but so Bayard Rustin is somebody who I knew of but did not know until embarrassingly late was a gay man for all the reasons that you're saying, like I just knew his name and I knew him as somebody who had most prominently, I knew him as someone who had worked with uh, Martin Luther King, because if you're, if you're an American, especially if you're a white American, like, you know, Martin Luther King, and then you kind of don't know that much of anything else. (laughs) So I heard the day of Baird rest and I was like, Oh yeah, I know that guy with like the cool name, like whatever. And then, yeah. And then found out that he was a gay man and was like, why didn't, I know about this. This seems like a big deal. Um, but yeah, so because he was for all time, ta- I mean, who it's it's hard to say like the concept of out, especially back in the day, because it's like, what did that even mean in a pre-social media era? Sure. Like, what does out really mean? But basically he did not, he he was he wasn't like actively hiding yes who he was yeah. uh and for that reason a lot of the stuff he did within the civil rights movement was behind the scenes because they didn't want to push him to the front and he knew that he could potentially uh, unfortunately uh reflect poorly on movements by being more of a visible figurehead so a lot of the stuff that he's doing is the behind the scenes like machinations of stuff which sucks and it's terrible. Um, but again, as we're saying, that is sadly the way things went. Uh, I will say I really do like this quote. Um, so his partner, uh, his, his partner, not at the time that he passed, but his partner, like when he was younger, back in like the 40s, uh, his partner, Davis Platt, had a quote that said, I never had any sense at all that Bayard felt any shame or guilt about his homosexuality. That was rare in those days. Rare. Um, and I really like that. Uh, Mm. He did have at least one situation where he was arrested for indecent, whatever the call, whatever you call it. Lewd
1: conduct.
0: Lewd conduct, yeah, which basically means you were doing something in public with a guy and a cop saw you. Yep. Um, Yeah. And so uh, after that incident, I think he, like, he even stepped down from a few posts that he had because, again, it's like something like that can reflect badly um but he never like yeah he he wasn't concealing the fact that he was gay he was i just like really i just love that he was like he he was a he was a gay black man and he was and he, that's so fucking rare in that time and especially mm-hmm. uh, in light of all that he was seeking to accomplish. Well, um, and this is like, something. Oh yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead. sorry.
1: And the the um the arrest which happened in Pasadena the lewd conduct arrest it was for having sex with two men um in the back of a car in a, in a vehicle. And it was yes. actually before his work with martin luther king so and it was yeah and it it was publicized around the country um and like like other gay men who had been uh Mm -hmm. arrested on charges like that
0: names in the paper like literally he was
1: rustin Mm -hmm. was forced to register as a sex offender as a result Mm -hmm. of that a sex offender Mm -hmm. just for having consensual consensual sex with uh other men having a good time
0: in a Succeed! Come on! Who among us hasn't? Who among us Who hasn't? Who among us hasn't? Hello,
1: Rose and Jack from Titanic. Anyway, so... Mm. um, I mean, truly. Famous um, queer couple. Famous queer couple. <laughs> I'm sorry. They had such platonic energy I'm, in watching that movie again. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are besties oh and definitely not in love. But whatever. Okay. That's neither here nor there, y'all. So, um, <laughs> uh, but the, the point is... Like even even given that um, Bayard Rustin was such a, like a, such a brilliant strategist, um, and just mm. a, a, a brilliant mind and a, and a, a fighter to, the, to a spitfire to the point where um, I mean he literally was one of like Martin Luther King's most uh, trusted advisors and mm-hmm. was brought on to that after. This after having That's having so cool. had to register as a sex after. offender. Mm-hmm, yeah, about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to like give t- give all that like Martin Luther King or whomever, you know, the straight people around Baird, Rustin like credit for just being like hey you're a fine dude regardless of this however mm-hmm. um what i do want to do is say that 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 reflects on just how incredible bayard rustin was um yeah that, that they're willing to yes. risk even
0: if it, exactly yeah, yeah. exactly
1: yeah. um and i mean he ended up bayard rustin in, in 1963 ended up being um one of the the people who engineered the march on washington um, mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, keep going, Lauren. I just wanted to, because I, I thought that the fact that all that happened before he was brought on with King was like a huge. Yeah, huge I deal. didn't
0: know that timeline. Mm-hmm. You know what? Also, this is such a tiny detail that I mm. read, but I did. I like. I I guess it's like a low bar or whatever, but I thought it was sweet. So at one point there was like a photo that got leaked where it's like Martin Luther King is like in the bathtub taking a bath and Baird Rustin is in there like talking strategy so it's like <laughs> and it got leaked and so people were trying to be like there's a homosexual relationship no, between and both of them were like flatly denied it but when I read that I was like I love that like even though he'd had this arrest and he wasn't out homosexual Martin Luther King was like I gotta take a bath man like let's talk and about like I just like for that era <sighs> I feel like yeah. it's really cool that like he was chill about just having an out gay man talking strategy while he's having a bath. You know? Well, like, totally, I don't know. that, that to- made my heart a little warm. I just I, think that's... I completely uh, agree with that. One, I it mean, made it me just... Just feel like he was treated fully as an equal, yes. and like not like some weird deviant pervert. Like I just, I, I liked that weird little detail. I thought it was, it was no, sweet. I, I think, I think
1: that's actually that's actually really. Cool. That's awesome. Um,
0: um, and then the other ahead. thing I, I wanted to mention, because this is just a wild, like, we, again, forget how recent all of this <laughs> terribly shitty history is. So um, his partner who he had uh, at the time that he passed was uh, a man named Walter Nagel, who is currently running his, like, uh, federation or foundation. Whatever it is that's in Baird Rustin's name is his, his former partner uh, heads it up. Um, and so in 1982 you know gay marriage obviously not legal uh so rustin legally adopted his partner who at the time was 30 years old but that was the only way to have any sort of legal yeah isn't that wild and so uh walter Nagel talks about it and says yeah so he legally adopted him in 1982 he says That was the only thing we could do to kind of legalize our relationship. We actually had to go through a process as if Bayard was adopting a small child. My biological mother had to sign a legal paper, a paper disowning me. They had to send a social worker to our home. When the social worker arrived, she had to sit us down to talk to us to make sure that this was a fit home. And that's 82. Like, we watch movies oh. from 1982 all the time. We we have the same, you know, like, 1982, we listen to that music. We have, like, that's such, that's so recent. And, and that's what an ex- an just undignified. But again, oh. I love that they, like, that he did it. He, like, he fucking did it. Well, yeah, that's the thing is because, like, undignified is a,
1: beautiful and perfect word um there are many many words to describe humiliating would be another good word yeah (laughs) yeah there's a a lot of words Mm -hmm. a lot of words um but but just yeah the the strategy behind that to go okay fuckers Mm -hmm. you're not gonna let me have a legal relationship to the person Mm -hmm. i love um like all of my heterosexual Mm -hmm. brethren fine i'm gonna fucking adopt (laughs) my partner so that we can, so that we can like visit each other in the hospital. Yeah, and have and legal protections and, le- and yes, be able, le- Yeah,
0: just, oh, God. oh my God. I yeah. mean, yeah,
1: it, it, awful and also like good on you, Bayard Rustin. Yeah. Way to fucking stick it to them.
0: Uh, and so, yeah. So the very last thing, just to close it out. So obviously, huge figure in the civil rights movement, even if he was, you know, behind the scenes like we talked about. Uh, and and it wasn't until the 1980s that he, like, actively, like, very visibly started um, being involved in the gay rights movement, um, and uh, in fact, and you know, he equated the struggle of of LGBT folks at that time to the struggle of Black people during the Civil Rights. He saw, he drew parallels to that, and like, and saw that. Um, he was asked in 1986 if he wanted to contribute uh, to a book. Uh, it was called "In the Life: A Black Gay Anthology," and he actually declined. And the reason why he said, "I was not involved in the struggle for gay rights." as a youth i did not come out of the closet voluntarily circumstances forced me out while i have no problem with being publicly identified as homosexual it would be dishonest of me to present myself as one who was in the forefront of the struggle for gay rights and i just think like what a mo- what a like it's just like the modesty cuz i would argue like we've been talking about just being out at that time i think is participating and and i do feel but he, even so he he said like i don't belong in this book you know and it's just like dude you i i just i just think like i don't know i don't know if that's like sad or like or 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 beautiful (sighs) because he he didn't feel like he was a pioneer but he was so yeah i don't know i just think he's a very cool guy
1: I totally agree. I mean, there are uh, there's not just one way to be an activist. Absolutely. Context is absolutely everything. Not to mention that even even in fighting um, in being such a prominent figure in the civil rights movement, um, you know, how many black queer people who helped as a result of just that LGBT movement aside, you know? I mean, so anyway, hero obviously. And um uh FYI, he was in twenty twenty Fuck it took a long time but he was Posthumously pardoned mm-hmm. by Governor Gavin Newsom um, for the uh, the arrest, the elude conduct arrest that happened in Pasadena all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it took fucking long enough, but uh, <laughs> at the very least, posthumously record was wiped clean. And I do want to say on that note. Um, There are still – there's currently a state senator in California um, who is queer. I know this because I did, like, um, an Equality California um, Institute leadership program. Um, And we got to talk to, like, a lot of LGBTQ people in in various positions of leadership in California. And this one state senator, like, it's been his mission to – Try to uh, pardon or, like, expunge the records of so Aww. many gay people, specifically gay men in California, who still to this day are registered sex offenders for stuff exactly like what happened to yeah. Baird Rustin. So yeah. it's literally still a problem. <laughs> anyway, and, I mean, that bars people from from getting jobs, from being able to live in certain neighborhoods, like, all of that. I mean, it's just... Anyway, it's appalling that we're still fighting this fight. But anyway,
0: here we are. Ooh, um, and small, because you just mentioned yes. a tiny shout out. Mm. If you do live, uh, if you do live in the great state of California, uh, there is a queer black woman who is uh, running for city council. If you live in CD6. Uh, Hell the, yeah. Uh, yeah. The primary runoff is happening in April. General election is going to be in June. But check out Antoinette Scully. Just Google the name Antoinette Scully. If you uh if you live in Los Angeles. Or if you just feel like contributing. Or if you just want to.
1: Yeah, if you just yeah, feel like contributing yeah. to the campaign of a an out black queer person. Absolutely. Um, Excellent there point. There you go. Excellent yeah. point. No but matter yeah. where you are. Do do um, check her out. Amazing! All right. Uh, so we are uh we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit to somebody that um y'all probably have not heard heard of um this was this is my was my person where i was like oh, i want to talk about her um so back in oh 2002 because it was my senior year of high school for a friend's birthday we went to the city and saw deaf poetry jam um Ooh, on broadway which that's yeah which i used ones?
0: to watch that on hbo
1: Right. Cool. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. There it was on HBO. You could probably still find I mean you certainly can find it on YouTube. Oh, if you just, it's like, all over YouTube. Google. Yeah, Deaf Poetry Jam. Um. But there was was a live show that was on on Broadway. Um. And I think there were like seven or eight poets who were featured in this show. And I. This is you have to understand. This is like me. I'd probably been out for like a year and a half to this point um i was very much sort of in it in and out but emotionally very <laughs> in uh my relationship with Cole um my first girlfriend identifying at the time former um, guest on the pod former guest on the pod and i just so this woman comes on stage and also worth pointing out that most not all but most of those Mm -hmm. poets were men also Mm -hmm. on stage so this black asian jamaican new yorker woman comes out on stage and she's probably all of she's tall but she's probably all of 110 pounds with like this like tank top this like super low cut like red tank top and these awesome like just like just like almost like 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 warrior pants <laughs> I don't even know how to put it and she comes out and the voice that comes out of this woman just she starts talking she starts doing spoken word poetry um and it becomes clear uh via her words almost immediately that she is a lesbian um and of course my young queer ears are like <laughs> what? and so not only am i looking at this woman who is just like the power that she uh brought on stages mesmerizing um regardless of how she identifies and then she's talking about how she's a black queer feminist lesbian and um and i i I could, I could not. I went home and I could not stop thinking about her. I looked up like mm. everything that she was that that I could find on her. I mean, and her name is Stacy Anchin. Um, she is. Uh, she's now she's fifty, I think now. Um, but she she had this one. She had a, has a i mean she has many many poems and she is very outspoken she's a very outspoken activist um not just in the queer community but very much uh in the black community she moved from jamaica to the states um when she was a a teenager um because she thought it would be easier to be gay here Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. what she found is that it was super hard to be black here <laughs> and so her poetry and her activism has so I mean the the queerness and and blackness is in inter, is interwoven in such a way mm. that um it's just truly incredible um her perspective and I think especially as Um, an immigrant too Mm -hmm. and knowing how hard it was to be gay somewhere else and then how hard Mm -hmm. it is to be black here (laughs) not easy to be gay either by the way that's intersectionality baby yeah i mean she literally was like i mean i just you know at the very least i wanted to move somewhere where i wasn't literally being chased with a machete for being gay yes um but then you get here and you know we have the legacy of racism that continues to this day so anyway um her poetry reflects all that and um she had this one poem called litany of desire that was all about what it is to have sex with a woman and specifically with her lover at that time mm-hmm. and her it is it's interweaving the spiritual and the spiritual experience of that um with the physical and i again like just explosions in my queer mind. Um I cannot find it literally anywhere. I can find the 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 poem written down. I can't find her performing it, unfortunately. Mm. Um but which is such a bummer because it's such a, a huge yeah. part of her uh, her whole thing. Um and but but she has um another poem which I just wanted to play uh a tiny snippet from uh and this poem she also did at deaf poetry jam and this is from if only out of vanity stacy and, and
2: most days most days i do not know what i will be like then but every day every single day i know what i want to be now want to be that voice that makes Giuliani so scared. He hires two butch black bodyguards. I want to write the poem that the New York Times will not print because it might start some kind of black or lesbian or even a white revolution. I want to go to secret meetings and under the guise of female friendship I want to beg the women of those young and eager revolutionaries with too much zeal for their cause and too little passion for the women who follow them from city to city all the while waiting in separate rooms. I want to be 40 years old and weigh 300 pounds and ride a motorcycle in the wintertime. Four hell-raising children and a 110-pound female lover who writes poetry about my life and my children and loves me like no one has ever loved me before. I want to be the girl your parents will use as a bad example of a lady. I want to be the guy who likes to fuck men. I want to be the politician who never lies. I'd like to be that girl who never, ever cries. I want to go down in history in a chapter marked miscellaneous because the writers could find no other way to categorize me in this world where classification is key. I want to erase the straight lines so I can be me.
1: So yeah. Anyway, um, you can hear why I basically fell in love with her. Um, <laughs> so, there you go. But yeah, I, I, I'm always surprised when I talk to a lot of people who were sort of coming of age at that time and don't know who she is most people don't know who she is um but she is her work is so worth knowing her mission is so worth following um i just highly recommend looking up her her work stacy stacy and chin there you go beautiful
0: OK, so speaking of people who uh, who d- have not properly gotten their due, but who people should know. <laughs> so as 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 many of you know, especially if you follow me on Twitter, I am obsessed with uh, the, the Laurel Canyon folk scene uh, it, musically. That's like what well, I listen to Joni Mitchell. I listen to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's like that whole era uh, is my jam. Um, and it is. A very white era of music. Uh, all all <laughs> yeah. of the famous folks, uh, you know, that we know from that era are white. We're talking <laughs> Carol King, James Taylor. You know them. Uh, You've and so heard of them. You know them. They're very famous. Even Bob Dylan, though, while well, not in Laurel Canyon, is certainly of that era. Um, but, okay, so... I listen to, you know, like Pandora and stuff like that. Uh, And it introduces me to new artists because it will group people who are sort of of that ear and in that category. And that is how I discovered uh, Joan Armatrading, who is uh, a British woman. Uh, But so she she is someone who. It is the contemporary of everybody who who I just mentioned, oh, like a little bit later, but like she was doing stuff at the same time, um, and she is someone who was not really known to people. Uh, she okay, she's like a rocker chick, but like with a, it's so hard to describe her music. Uh, she is she is a lesbian. She is somebody who was always very private about her personal life but again not not closeted just like not she was she was private about her life um but she is known to be a lesbian very embraced by the lesbian community uh, a civil partnership with her partner and i think 2011 so not concealing it uh her music um, is she writes often about like love and relationships, and she does write her own music. She is a singer-songwriter, so again, in the same ilk as Joni Mitchell and all of them. Um, and If you start listening to Joan Armatrading's music, I feel certain you will recognize songs. One primarily because for anyone who bought the soundtrack to The L Word Season 1, which I did, (laughs) she has a song featured on it. It's very prominent because it's her song about about cheating, about having an affair, and it's used in the pivotal scene where Bette first... Kisses mm-hmm. someone who is not mm-hmm. Tina. So very mm-hmm. controversial. Uh, but yeah, so I started listening to uh, Joan Arbitrating's music because it would pop up when, you know, I had on a Pandora station for like one of these other people who I mentioned. And I she's just she's really fabulous. Uh, I think without her, there's no Tracy Chapman is basically what it comes down to in terms of a a lesbian black woman singer songwriter, you know, singing her own songs about love. Uh, And it just bums me out that she is not well known, the way all of those other artists who I mentioned are. She's still alive and kicking. She's like 72. Woo! She's living a fucking great life, uh, and I just really encourage folks to listen to her music. the The lesbian community has always loved her, so she's always been like an underground sort of niche artist. Um, but she deserves more than that, uh, and I'm just, I just, yeah, I just wanted to shout her out as someone who loves. Music of that era. She's someone who doesn't get her due. Um, And then I'll really quickly piggyback on that and mention one more person who folks should know. Uh, So, okay, Cheryl Dunier, and I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Uh, it's D U N Y E. is known as the first out black lesbian to ever direct a feature film. Uh, that film is 1996's *The Watermelon Woman*. Uh, if you're familiar with hey. actress guinevere Turner, that is. I think it might be the first movie she. I don't know if it's her very first movie. Uh, but she's she's very she's quite young in it, and it was like around the time of *Go Fish*, which was what Gwen Turner broke out for. Um, but yeah, uh, so watermelon woman is definitely an indie film to check out i remember the first time i saw it on like ifc or something like that um and i just just google it and and look up what it's about but the yeah it is just the intersection uh of of being a black lesbian is that's literally what the film is about and again this is 1996 so this is not like This is not. Oh, yeah. People are doing stuff about this. No, this was this was a a huge deal uh, and something that you should add to your canon of queer films if you are not familiar with it. Another thing that should be that should be well known and unfortunately is not. So those are my two like under the radar uh, black lesbians who deserve more than they got.
1: Love it! I will be listening to that music, yeah, and I will be watching this. film. To oh, you gotta I'm a, see! I'm Joni Mitchell on person woman. too. I'm well. I'm a Laurel Canyon person. It's yeah, funny. Like Joni Amitra- yeah. is more
0: of a rocker. Like she's also a really good guitar player. But like you'll love see it. why she's love grouped it. in with that era. Like she definitely she grew out of she grew out of that. Oh, love it! Love it! Hells to the yizzle! Oh, hey, y'all. You've heard me brag for a while now about how I, a person who used to be scared to use my own oven, learned how to cook like a real live adult during lockdown, and now I am as good as that guy on the bear. Now, this is all true. Uh, Here's the thing, though. Even though I am now an amazing chef, It takes me a very long time to cook. It is not something that comes naturally to me, and lately my life has gotten way, way, way more busy, and I do not have the time to devote to cooking like I used to. That is why I am so deeply excited about the pod's new sponsor. They came along exactly when I needed them. I am talking about Factor me tell you a little bit about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You will have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious, y'all. Do you understand how amazing it is to have a microwave meal that that tastes like I spent hours cooking it, but it comes pre-prepared? One of my favorites that Factor sent me was roasted garlic butter salmon with celery root cauliflower mash and Parmesan broccoli. And it just came like that. I didn't have to cook it. Y'all, what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Here are some facts. Factor, Factor. They make two-minute meals, fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also do snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save, y'all. Factor has done the math. They are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you are looking for fast upscale options done easily. They're also flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We are talking no prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there is no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. What more do you need to hear, y'all? Head to factormeals.com slash comingoutpod50 and use code comingoutpod50 to get 50% off! That's code coming out pod five zero at factormeals.com dot com slash coming out pod fifty get fifty per cent off bye the last
1: I mean, we have a few people and, well, we have a few people and and, uh, and groups we'd like to mention <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, as we close the episode. But p- before that, the last historical figure that um, I think some of you out there, I'm sure some of you out there know, um, definitely a bigger name than the uh, aforementioned folks with the exception of Bayard Rustin. Um, uh, but still... Rather under the radar. Uh, I didn't is, know
0: the name. I'm embarrassed yeah, to say. You don't need to be
1: embarrassed. Um, Too late, so, it happened. <laughs> little little fact about me. Um, in terms of eras of history that I'm like kind of obsessed with, um, and maybe like, an enamored enamored by is a good <laughs> way of putting it. Um, like the 20s through 40s. Are, are really big for me like whether it's like the Harlem, Harlem Renaissance or old Hollywood or like the combination of all of that like to me there's something very uh, yeah like jazzy romantic I love mm. the music that's I love the style that's your Canyon folk
0: era that's I my it. Laurel I Canyon era yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I love it like I love I love the architecture like Art Deco I'm like just very into a lot that was happening between like 1920 and, and uh, through the through the forties. Um, so a few years, several years ago now, as a result of some like boopity boops, I don't know, research I was doing um, on <laughs> queer people from that era, um, I came across Gladys Bentley. Um, now, Gladys Bentley was a a big old beautiful butch lesbian um who was part of who was a singer in the Harlem Renaissance um who clearly did not get her due um because well certainly she was banned from singing from a ton of places not just because she was black but also because she mm-hmm. was extremely masculine presenting mm-hmm. um her she was known uh she ended up becoming known for her like all white tuxes if you google image her mm-hmm. she looks fucking impeccable just amazing mm-hmm. all white tuxes white top hat um just like absolutely no beans about um who she was she was again in that she was out i mean out and um she among other places uh she actually she rose to fame in sort of an underground club uh midtown nightclub called the King's Terrace um which was basically like a an underground Queer club and not necessarily for queer patrons, but where, like, you know, the bourgeois could go and feel naughty for a night because mm, they were seeing basically it. drag performers and think, you know, like the it's it was how where you experience the underground, right? It was one of those clubs and it was eventually shut down, uh, was raided, padlocked by the police, um, in 1934. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Gladys Bentley would perform there and, um, um, specifically performed like raunchy songs with like double entendres mm. and you know scandalized themes and stuff where mm. you just you knew that she was singing about fucking ladies. <laughs> and <laughs> and um it's yeah and I just the the boldness of that at the time of her entire presentation and like something I love in looking at the pictures of her and which so striking is is not just her style, but her confidence. My God, this woman was just owning it, like herself and her image and her everything from head to toe, and was clearly super talented. In fact, she like early on in her career, um, there was another uh, a club, I believe it was in Harlem, um, that was looking for a uh, a male. Uh, pianist like needed a piano accompanist uh, for the singers, and she auditioned. They were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" But she was so good that there was like a huge round of applause afterwards, and she ended up getting the job. She finally convinced mm. them. Um, yeah, and so you know, so she she is so worth. She's such a uh, like a rebel, really. I, I and um, and someone who had she not been overtly queer would have probably been amongst the names of the Harlem Renaissance uh, performers that we that we know right that we hear of yeah. um billy holiday etc you know so um mm-hmm. so worth looking up so worth listening to her music and and the other fun little fun little tidbit um that like came full circle for me recently was that beneath the bow tie the uh mm-hmm. the uh reading that i did at the Gaffin playhouse that now we've had two people on from the show uh the lead well one of the main characters in that, the one who is the star, the reigning star of the underground club, is based on Gladys Bentley. Oh, nice. Um yeah, and was played by like this absolutely incredible performer. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Point is, um, this person, Gladys Bentley, has just come up over and over again in my consciousness, and when I think about absolutely incredible black queer people from history, Um, she is one of the first people I think of. So look her up.
0: Beautiful. And wait, if we're going to talk Gladys Bentley, I have to say a sentence about Stormy DeLarverie uh an, a butch lesbian drag king uh who was at the stonefall riots uh uh biracial woman and look we all have the jokes about blankety blank was the first person to throw a brick at Stonewall and bloopity bloop was the first person to throw a punch at Stonewall and well we may never know for sure but <laughs> indeed she is one of the people who is rumored to have thrown the first punch <laughs> at the Stonewall riots uh and she is Actually mentioned uh, in one of our episodes, our episode with Susan Surftone, episode 24, who knew uh, Stormy Dularberry from the uh, queer scene in New York and would listen to Stormy's uh, stories. But yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk butch lesbian uh, performers in that era, I must shout her out as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and on that note, quickly before we end, I just mm-hmm. wanted to to bring this up because I think I'm always really, um, <laughs> I don't know, this is how, like, down the rabbit hole I am uh, with queer shit in my Ooh, let's life. Let's get it. Is that I'm, al- <laughs> I'm always, like, I'm always, like, a little annoyed now <laughs> when Stonewall is given, like, all the credit for starting the queer movement as though literally nothing happened before that. And and Stonewall is just the most recognizable, or, like, it was the thing that got the most press, and it... It's the popular girl. It's the popular girl. (laughs) Um, But there were... (laughs) Several things, several events that happened before that that preceded that. that yes, it really... was a
0: culmination. It was, a... uh, it was exactly. the breaking point. It was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the no, straw exactly. that broke the, the movement and... back. <laughs> Indeed, and I
1: mean, I think I've mentioned on the pod before that it, um, you know I, where I used to live in in Silver Lake, um, the Silver Lake neighborhood of in LA, um, the Black Cat Tavern. Mm-hmm. There was a police raid, and then a subsequent sure. protests outside of that in 1967, which is two mm-hmm. years before mm-hmm. Stonewall. Um, so shout out to the Black Cat Tavern. But, so
0: I got a drink there
2: with you a lady know, you know. in there.
1: Um, but y'all. To, before that even, let's go back to uh 1966. So this is now four years before Stonewall. Um, black trans women fought back at Compton's Cafeteria in San Francisco's oh, Tenderloin District.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and the
1: pictures of that, by the way, if you mm. just look up um the Compton's Cafeteria uh, riot. Or, yeah mm-hmm. the riot at Compton's cafeteria um the pictures of these gorgeous black trans women are just i mean impeccable the fact that they were able to fight in the dresses is true <laughs> Is, should say something about how amazing they are in general. Um, but, like, really awesome. And I love that, like, in looking this up, I had never even heard of that. Like, how don't, why, why don't we well, hear about Confidence Cafeteria? I was going to say, why don't we? I
0: only know of it because if anybody watched uh, The the Tales of the City, not reboot, but sort mm-hmm. of, like, reimagining sure. uh, uh, Elliot Page, Olympia Dukakis, Marie Bartlett, uh, that is, it's told, you know, partly in the present and then partly in the past, and that... Uprising is a big plot point in the series, and that was how I learned about it. So, yeah. There you go. Another, yeah, another buried in history, yeah.
1: Indeed you do. And before that, y'all... In 1959 at Cooper's Donuts in downtown LA yeah. um that was the and where definitely there would have been queer people of color um actually predominantly there it that was the first recorded confrontation between LGBTQ people and the police So uh, pretty incredible. So that's nine years before Stonewall even happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And amazing that we don't hear more about this. Um, And just again brings up like just how much
0: black history and how much queer history and how much black queer history has been buried. Because Stonewall had, uh, it, it was certainly not all white people, but then it was a lot white people and i remember several years ago watching a youtube it was just like free on youtube i was like i'm gonna watch this documentary about stonewall and they were talking you know it was made in like the 80s or something so they were talking with people who were there and i was watching it and i was like this is very interesting but it was all white people there was not a single black person in the documentary. And I was like, ah, this shines some light on why this is the face and why everyone knows Stonewall as the first. Of because course. It, yep. So it's just really interesting of course. what gets remembered in history and why. Um, oh, yeah. sure. Oh, sure yeah. thing. And
1: to cap off this whole little going back in time and, and talking about the uh, massive influence and... Um, engineering of the uh lgbtq movement um that that black people did and do so i've been listening to several things this this month about um sort of the black panthers and um the black power movement and um all of that and one of the the phrases that was coined in going like into those movements or as a part of those movements is black is beautiful, which we've all heard, right? Um, But was uh, a phrase used by uh, Stokely Carmichael of the black power movement in um, 1968 at a rally. And in in 1968, same year, just following that, Frank Kemeny, a white (laughs) gay man... Who is a quote towering figure in the mid in the mid twentieth century gay rights movement, right? Okay. Coined the phrase gay is good. Specifically Oopsies. specifically uh we could say inspired by, but co-opted
0: <laughs> by. In homage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: in homage that
0: gave no credit to
1: Black. No. Yes.
0: An appropriation. an appropriation search, yes. is what it yes, was. Yes. yes.
1: So, um, you know, whenever y'all hear, if you all hear uh, gay is good, which, of course, is not something we really hear or say it much anymore, but you'll... You, it's littered across like
0: yeah you see it uh, in history poli- ab- about old, the old movement. photographs you see yes, yeah, yeah you
1: see it a lot mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just know that was that was Frank going ooh that alliteration is nice yeah. and that's a way to reclaim let yep. me take black is beautiful and make gay is good
0: yep Yep. Yep.
1: Oh, FYI, that also came from black people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so moving, shifting into the present Modern day. Modern day. Hells yeah. Modern day. Um, we just wanted, there were like a few people who really, people and organizations who are really like in our consciousness, um, mm-hmm. often, uh, who we wanted to shout out, uh, for y'all to follow. Lauren, take it away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Nicole and I are both uh, big fans of Jenea Future Khan, uh, who we have we've mentioned them on the podcast before. You can go and watch all of their Sunday sermons on their Instagram. And Sunday Sermon was like it was like an hour plus Insta Live that they used to do every Sunday morning just talking about whatever the fuck horrors had happened or sometimes sometimes nice things that had happened the week before and if you go to their Instagram which is janeah the future uh, and that will be all everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes so please check for spelling and links and all that good stuff Uh, but yeah if you go to their Instagram you can see like all of these Sunday sermons or a ton of them are saved and they say in the little caption what they're about and just like Janaea is really tremendous at breaking. Taking down stuff. That has happened, contextualizing it. Um, it's really a dialogue with their followers because you know they would be reading the comments as they were going along, answering questions, incorporating. Uh, they've talked about Chappelle and just like any anything that that happened of prominence uh, that was queer, that was black, that mm-hmm. was at the intersection of queerness and blackness. Uh, I really, really recommend Jenea FutureCon as somebody to be following and paying attention to. At this moment Indeed in history, you.
1: yeah, um, and I have one that is just really um, lovely. Like uh, we've mm-hmm. mentioned on the pod before, but um, uh, twice, twice guest on the pod, uh, Dalila Aliraja mm-hmm, uh, and also mm-hmm. a very good friend of mine, um, runs an account called Black Queer Joy. It's just at Black yes. Queer Joy yes, yes, on yes, yes. Instagram it is lovely. Um, Dalila does a beautiful job of curating it. So, you know, it's lots of like it's wedding pictures, it's family pictures, it's just it, it, it how happy gay roller skating pictures <laughs> it's just beautiful i i it it really fills a need where there's so much um sad uh, tragic uh, uh, angering upsetting news out there um about um black queer people and 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 what's happening in the world today and um Delilah really felt like there was a need to show black queer people in all of their joy as well Mm -hmm. and it is such a beautiful account and it brings me joy constantly and i have more than once followed up and been like "Ooh, who's this person and that person and what are they doing and um so i just i recommend it as a little a burst of serotonin in your day
0: Yes. And last but not least, if you are not already uh, following Raquel Willis, Raquel underscore Willis on Instagram, please do so. Uh, She is a black trans woman. She is an activist, writer, cultural organizer, co-founder of Trans Week. She, to me, is kind of like like a modern parallel for a lot of the folks uh, that we have been speaking about. She's she's talking at every march. She I believe I first uh, knew about her when she spoke at the, the women's march way back in 2017 but she is just uh, she's a wonderful voice to listen to uh, at this at this moment okay I lied this is the last? one well, that was the last person. This is the last is a organization. Great, the an- okay. Yes. 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 Another. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, another mm-hmm, follow mm-hmm. on Instagram. Uh, an organization mm-hmm. called Octavia's Chariot, uh, named for Octavia Butler. Uh, so Octavia's Chariot is a Black disabled-led virtual space. Um, and I don't know if if every single event that they do is is labeled as uh, queer, but they are very. They, they do a ton of queer stuff. They're on the Q uh mailing list, which I've shouted out a million times, um, and because they are uh, a Black disabled-led uh, org, they are still doing everything virtually because of COVID. So wherever you are, in in the world you can check out their offerings uh they are octavia's underscore chariot on the 24th of this month they have a speed friending event uh for for, for queer folks yeah 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 Not again not specifically for queer folks but they're everything is tagged lgbtqia uh, on their events so yeah i just really yeah i want to highlight them Um, because I think they're doing amazing stuff. And you can do it from anywhere in the world. So follow Octavia's chariot.
1: So, yeah, y'all, I hope you enjoyed um, this special Black History Month edition of Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole, uh, wherein we educate ourselves and y'all about um, history that all of us should definitely know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, yes. uh it was a, it was a joy uh not only to talk about some people that I've I've really really admired over the years um but to also have in preparation for this um done some more digging and and learned several things myself um I love these episodes where we get to like to educate ourselves in, yeah. um, in order to pass the knowledge on to you and this one felt very special so thanks for uh hanging in there and and, and listening to yeah. this and I hope you got a lot A lot out of it too.
0: And we cannot emphasize enough, you know, like Nicole saying, go down the rabbit hole, follow some of the people we mentioned. They will lead you to other people, read about Mm -hmm. these people, and then click the links to the other people. Um, Because, you know, Nicole and I are two queer white women and so you should learn mm-hmm. about this stuff from the people who who lived this history who came out of this history who are currently living this history as it's still being made uh but get it mm-hmm. from the source we thank god i think are now in a time where most people know names like marsha p johnson audrey lord uh james baldwin but uh, the people we mentioned are Further below, uh, and so it is really dig dig them out because uh, they should be as much a part of our culture um, as, as anyone else. And if so, they
1: have yeah. they have music, books, art, poetry, yes. buy it if you can buy it. Buy yes, it. Yes,
0: hell yeah. Put Support your dollars where your heart people. is. You know,
1: do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, y'all. Uh, so you can find us as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm at Nicole Payson on Instagram
0: I am at Lauren Flans on Twitter Lauren underscore Flans on Instagram
1: We are at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram Our hashtags are hashtag coming out pod Hashtag, hashtag find found, found found tricky <laughs> <laughs> Did we it. found I'm her right Nicole, Back. remember? Oh, we did a my whole with her. Every
0: once in a while my brain does the thing that's like <gasps> we gotta find her. Nope, we found nope, her. No, we found her. We She's know great. we have tabs on her right now. I put a camera in her home. Shout out to our patrons Sarah Wilson, Jim W, Jack, Kim, Simone, Adri, Tanya, Pooh, Mandy, Tia, Mix Michelle, Forbes, Sammy, Michelle, Kaz, Carmel, Karen Smiley, Erin Mitchell, Vanessa Hunt, Diego Hernandez, and Beyond Clexa, a dot com
1: if you would like to be on that list or check out any of our tiers of giving starting at $1 a month you can go to patreon.com slash coming out pod um, you can also go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify for free give us a 5 star rating and a nice review you can also please do actually share this episode not mm-hmm. just with someone who might like it but someone who might also post about it post this episode Ooh, share it yes, as yes. part of Black History Month tag tag tag, please tag the people that we mentioned. Hashtag them if they're no longer with us or tag them if they're on social media so yeah. that other people can follow them and their amazing work. Stacey Ann Chin,
0: uh, um wh- who's a Cheryl uh, Dunye is on Twitter because once I, I uh, mentioned Watermelon Woman and she liked it and I got excited <gasps> because she knew I existed. <laughs>
1: It's amazing that's so good that's so good yes um so do it to it and we'll have all that in the show notes too so so y'all can can just Hell you know yeah. copy and paste check or whatever. those notes uh thank you everybody happy black history month uh and we will talk to you next week bye bye